Welcome to this episode of Valid Ambiguity. I am Paul Patterson, the host and creator of Valid Ambiguity. Valid Ambiguity started as a blog that I started not too long ago. And one thing I wanted to do and was quickly entertaining was kind of transitioning, um, no, branching into podcasting with maybe the idea of eventually doing a YouTube channel later on down the road. And uh, to kind of start off the podcast, one thing I'm kicking around doing is just talking about elemental parts of the Christian faith. And so what we're going to do today is something that I've been wanting to do. What I find often in my ministry is that um, I have to explain what baptism is to a lot of people. And I love it. For me, baptism is a glorious, wonderful thing. And I know growing up, I often heard about everything that baptism was not. And let me explain. Whenever there was a baptism, I felt like there was this long footnotes, fine print uh, of everything that baptism didn't do. Like it didn't save you. It didn't do this. It didn't do that. It's just a symbol, an outward symbol of an inward change. And so there was this like unspoken idea that baptism wasn't a big deal. And as such, uh, from the time I became a Christian to the time I was actually baptized was a span of almost six years. And it was when I was in Bible college and there was a professor who was really hitting on the importance of baptism that I finally realized, you know, maybe I actually should be baptized. And so over time, uh, through being involved in ministry, whether that was on a vocational level or a volunteer level uh, and interacting with people, and explaining what baptism is, and in my own study, I've kind of uh, my idea of baptism has developed into kind of this full color thing of baptism. And so, what I wanted to do was record an episode, and hypothetically, the way this episode could be used, instead of just having a theological discussion, it could be used for those people who maybe haven't been baptized yet, or maybe those people who have just come to Christ, and you, as a listener, know someone, and you just want to provide them with a quick, easy resource to explain just the basic idea through scripture, what baptism is. That way they know what they're getting into and they have the, they have a full appreciation of what baptism means. And so one last note before we actually get into the actual content, what this episode on baptism is not going to do is it is not going to be talking about the peculiarities, the particulars uh, of the debate of baptism. I'm just going to present uh, the basic thing that I often present to people who are interested in being baptized. And hopefully this is a resource for you. And even if you've already been baptized, maybe when you're done listening to this episode, you would have a better appreciation for what baptism is. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right, let's start with the actual word baptism. It's this word baptizo, and it literally means to dip, to immerse, or to sink. And we see in a lot of different places, in this, especially in the secular record, this wasn't a necessarily a religious terminology. It was used in things like uh, the sinking of ships. It was used in the idea of sinking a sword into someone's body. And we also find it in uh, recipes for making pickles. So when you put a pickle, when you, sorry, when you put a cucumber into a jar of vinegar, this idea of immersing it in it. And one of the underlying ideas of baptizo was that there was some type of change that happened, some type of permanent effect, whether it was the cucumber becoming a pickle, a ship that has now become shipwrecked, or uh, the, once again, the sinking of a sword into someone else. And obviously that causes uh, some minor changes in the person. 
And so uh, this is what the word baptizo means. And when it was translated, when the Bible was first translated into English, they transliterated the word baptizo rather than actually translating it into dip or to immerse or to sink. And the reason they did this at the time was just because there was, it would have caused this controversy within the, uh, the Catholic tradition of sprinkling people rather than immersing people. And so they, instead of translating it, they just transliterated it, which means they took the Greek letters and used the closest English equivalents uh, of those letters today. And that's how we get bapti- baptism from baptizo. Now, this idea of baptism, when it first shows up in scripture, if you... Uh, if you're a Jew interacting with the person of Jesus, and by the way, interacting with the person of John the Baptist, you're going to understand it as being a mikvah. A mikvah was a Old Testament uh, purity cleansing ritual of of t- basically, I, we could almost view it as taking a bath, but not quite. And it was an act of uh, trying to purify yourself, and it could have been for a whole number of reasons. And there would be a number of reasons why you want to be, why you would want to go through a mikvah for cleansing, whether it was you're approaching the temple, uh, wanting to offer a sacrifice. But it was also used, by the way, as a method of conversion. So if you had a Gentile who wanted to become a quote-unquote Jew, if they, uh, they wanted to become a proselyte, they would go through a mikvah of conversion. And one other interesting place that I, just, I find interesting and it's fun to note on is the word baptism in the, in the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. We find the word baptism show up with this person named Naaman, who is this uh, army general, this Gentile army general who has leprosy. And he goes to the king of Israel to be healed from it. And uh, eventually Elisha hears about this person wanting to be healed from leprosy. And so the, so Naaman goes to Elisha, approaches Elisha, and Elisha sends his servant and tells Naaman to go baptize himself in the Jordan River seven times. And when once he finally does, he is cured of leprosy. And it's just a fascinating story. But the word there in the Greek translation is this word baptism. And once again, in conveying this idea of a permanent change that happens through it. With that said, uh, let's move on. Uh, so there's this idea already present in the scripture before the New Testament comes around of a mikvah, of a uh, this idea of cleansing and purity and uh, dealing with one's sins and uncleanliness and also this idea of conversion. So John the Baptist shows up and he starts doing a, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, scriptures say. And from this, the baptism of Jesus is developed. Now, what we find is uh, Jesus in Matthew 3 goes to John to be baptized. And John says, why do you come to me to be baptized? I should be baptized by you. And then Jesus says this interesting phrase where he says, let it be so now, uh, meaning let, let John baptize Jesus, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And there's some debate about what this exactly means. Let me give you a, a basic theory of what this means. And it deals with the idea of covenant. Now, the whole scope of scripture is built through the systematic theology of covenant. And you find covenants from Adam uh, to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses, to the Davidic covenant. And these covenants are often built around this idea uh, of a secular covenant called a Caesarean vassal covenant, where a higher power and not necessarily like a divine higher power, but a whether it's a nation or um, a, high, a higher person makes a covenant with a vassal, a lower one. And 
every covenant is always sealed with a ceremony and ratification, often like an oath and a sacrifice, a sign and a seal. And sometimes, and both parties would participate in some elements of this. And we see this through scripture. Uh, For example, when God makes his covenant with Abraham, uh, there, the sacrifice there is a set of animals that is cut in half and it's, and they are kind of set on either side of a trench and then both parties are to walk through it. Or sometimes in the secular context, one, only the vassal will walk through it as a symbol of, if I don't hold up my end of the covenant, this is what will happen to me. But with Abraham, he falls asleep. God makes him fall asleep. It's this interesting terminology that happens only with Adam when God makes him fall asleep and then he removes the rib to create the woman. And instead of Abraham walking through this blood path, God walks through it both ways as a symbol that he's taking on this covenant. So when Jesus is being baptized, one of the things he's doing is he's participating in a covenantal terminology that he needs to participate in the act of baptism for those who will also be baptized. And this is kind of where this word righteousness comes from. Now, we often in American Western theology, we equate righteousness with this idea of right doing and being a righteous person. And that sure might have a part of it, but Ultimately, this word righteousness means to be righteous to a covenant uh, that you would be. And it was used this way throughout the Old Testament, that you would be covenantally righteous, that the covenant you took with Yahweh, whether it was at Sinai or with da- or if uh, David, you would be right. You would uphold your end of the covenant you took with him. And so right away, we see that this idea of baptism is something that we do to identify and to partner with the person of Jesus, that through baptism, we are not just celebrating an, 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 an inward change outwardly, but we're actually identifying and coming into covenant with the person of Jesus And uh, this is picked up on all throughout scripture. We see like Paul talks about in Romans six, that those who are baptized, he says in Romans six, verse four, he says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we might too walk in newness of life. And so what he's saying here is that in baptism, we are identifying with the person of Jesus and we are also identifying with his death and his resurrection. And so uh, oftentimes when people are baptized, they'll say something like dying with him, uh, being buried with him and being raised in newness of life with him as you go from being out of the water to being completely submerged in the water, uh, the symbol of being buried with Jesus and then raising from the water as a symbol of being raised to new life. In Acts 2, when the church really starts taking off, and Peter presents his his sermon before the people. There's uh, the people respond and says they were cut to the heart and they ask, "What then shall we do?" And Peter says in Acts two thirty eight, "Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." In another place in Acts, I believe it's Acts twenty two. When Paul is recounting his conversion, uh, there's this, uh, he is told, then why do you delay? Get up and be baptized to wash away your sins. So baptism in the, in the New Testament, this covenantal thing that we do with the person of Jesus, it conveys this symbol of the mikvah, once again, this purity and cleansingness. It also ties into this idea of the mikvah of conversion, that when we convert to the person of Jesus, that we are baptized. It's a symbol of becoming a follower and a disciple of Christ. 
And one thing I want to stop on now is that the imagery used of baptism throughout the New Testament is often calling us back to the old. For example, in 1 Peter, he says, baptism corresponds, in chapter 3, baptism corresponds to the flood, that through the waters, God washed away the evilness of the world. And so Peter makes this correlation between our baptism now and the flood. You also find, uh, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians that um, Paul uses the imagery of baptism for the same imagery of the people uh, in the Exodus going through the Red Sea. And when you read the baptism of Jesus, you see a retelling, and it's subtle, but the hints are, are there. You see a retelling of the creation story, how God hovered over the waters. And so when Jesus is baptized in the water, the Holy Spirit hovers like a dove above him, which goes back to the idea of the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1 hovering over the, the waters. And so baptism is this rich imagery that we get to partake in of the entire redemptive story that from the moment of creation to the flood, to the going through the Red Sea and also going through the Jordan, uh, that we as God's people are often pulled through the water. And it's this imagery of redemption. And as such, one of the important characteristics of baptism for me, one of the practical things that baptism does, it provides a picture of the change that is taking place within us. Remember, baptism has this, ultimately, baptizo implies that through the dipping immersion, there is a change that takes place. And so baptism acts as a physical thing, a milestone, a reminder of the covenant that we are taking and the part in God's redemptive story that we are now being associated with. And so I'm sure you've made many decisions in the past about a new habit you wanted to make or something new that you wanted to do. And you wake up the next morning and completely forget about it. With the act of being baptized, first off, it is a physical thing, like a, an actual core, tangible, sensory experience that you partake in that you cannot forget. Like you were baptized and, you know, you you had to get wet, you had to get, you had to get out, you had to get dried. And not only that, but even more so, even better than that is that you were baptized by people. Baptism is a passive act. It's an act that you receive. And so Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, talking about the unity of the body that we have. He says, therefore, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Baptism then acts as this uh, initiation in some sense, this welcoming into the body, into the family of God, that you are now part of God's covenantal people through the person of Jesus. So baptism acts as this. Not only is it something that you do, no, it's actually something that you are, that is done to you in the welcoming into a larger group of people, a, a group of people who are now tied to you, who are now committed to you as brothers and sisters, people who are now going to walk alongside of you. And baptism uh, is meant to initiate this process. Like this is now who you are. And these are now your people. Look around. I often tell people who are being baptized, look around you. These are now your brothers and your sisters. These are your fellow workers, the people whom you will suffer with and celebrate with. These are the people who you will go to when you have hard times and the people who will come to you when you have hard times because we are now family. Now, some, um, 
other kind of last things I, w- I want to emphasize. Baptism, uh, and you've already probably picked up on some of these things. Baptism is associated with salvation. And oftentimes Christians and ministers and theologians don't like saying that because they don't want to suggest that baptism is a prerequisite to salvation. And like I said, we're not going to get into whether or not you have to be baptized to be saved. But I want to just emphasize it is associated with salvation. As such, when you become a Christian, when you convert, when you make that faith decision to follow Jesus, you should be baptized. Uh, and I'm not going to get into the timeline. I just, obviously, I think six years is much too long. Ideally, though, you should be baptized as close to the moment of conversion as possible. Read through the book of Acts and notice when people, as soon as they make a decision to follow Jesus, they are immediately baptized. For example, in Acts 8, you have the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, and Philip is explaining the scriptures to him. And at, when he eventually he comes to a point and the eunuch says, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And what Philip's says is as long as you have faith, nothing prevents you from being baptized. So as soon as you come to the, come into the faith of Jesus, you should be baptized. Don't put it off because I, what I often find is when, pe- when people put this off, they will put off other things as well. If you put off this glorious, awesome thing that you get to do with the person of Jesus and identifying with him and coming into covenant with him and celebrating God's redemptive story, if you put this off, what other things will you put off? So kind of recap, baptism is is a washing. It, it is a immersion that you that is done to you. And through doing this, you come into covenant with the person of Jesus. You identify with him. You are now his partner. You are now associated with his death, his burial, and and his resurrection so that you can also experience newness of life. You die to your sins. You are repenting from those things. You are cleansing yourself from this. uh, You're being cleansed from your sins. You are converting to the person of Jesus. And as such, you are being raised up to walk in his resurrection life. It is a... A covenant you take place that that you are participating in, that Jesus also participated in. So that way you both, in some ways, like you both sign the contract. You have, uh, you know, whether it's the seller and the buyer or whatever it might be, uh, the renter and the property owner, it doesn't matter. There are two parties in a contract always, and both are putting their John Hancock on there. And through baptism, you are saying, yes, I'm bought in. Um, And being bought in, you're being plunged in. It is a baptism is a picture of God's redemptive story through scripture, whether it's creation or the flood or the the parting of the Red Sea or the Jordan. We are now participating in God's new redemptive act that is taking place right here, right now when I'm being baptized. It is associated with salvation and faith that when you have faith in the person of Jesus, you need to be baptized. That way you have that milestone, that reminder, that physical memory, that tangible thing that you experienced. That way, when you struggle with your faith, when you feel like giving up, when when you're tired and when you're exhausted, when you're not feeling God's presence anymore, you can look back at that moment and remember, remember what you experienced then. Hold on to that. And so to kind of wrap up then, if you haven't been baptized and you're a follower of Christ, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to lay it out there, get baptized. Um, I remember reading an article, uh, this was back in Bible college and this is one of the, this kind of put me over the edge of finally getting baptized about people in places like China who are persecuted for their faith and they will uh, literally hike days into the mountains so they can find a place in secrecy where they can be baptized by their fellow believers. And I thought like, man, there's, 
on any given Sunday, I could practically be baptized. I could fill up a tub. I can go to the river and have my pastor meet me there with some other believers and I can get baptized. So why am I putting it off? Baptism is an amazing spiritual, emotive experience. And it's a celebration with God's family and what is being done in your life. So so do it. Go talk to a pastor, a minister, whoever it might be. Find someone, someone you look up to, someone that uh, you know will hold you accountable, who who wants the best in your relationship with Jesus. And ask them to ask them to baptize you. Get it get it started and get it done quickly. Because man, you're missing out. With that said, thank you for listening to this episode of the Valid Ambiguity Podcast. I'm sure there's some questions and some even some disagreements that you might have with this, and that's fine. Shoot them to me. Let me know. I didn't want to get into the particulars. I did want to kind of present an overarching view of baptism through scripture, but not not get into the fine details and some of the skeptics and some of the arguments that might come up. So I'm sure that there are some questions out there. Uh, as such, I hope this resource is is useful to you. If you find it useful, I would encourage you to share it with those people who are interested in being baptized. And if you want to argue with me or yell at me, feel free. I love it. If you're enjoying what you're hearing so far through the Valid Ambiguity podcast, I would ask as a favor that you would go online and just give us a review. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's one star or five stars. I don't care if we got a hundred one star reviews. That means that there's a hundred people that have listened to it. So if you also appreciate the work that I'm doing through the Valid Ambiguity blog, which you can find at www.validambiguity.com, all one word. If you appreciate the work that I'm doing and you just want to support me in, in my efforts because blogging and podcasting just it takes time to do it well. And I'm not saying I'm doing it well, but it takes time. Uh, it takes effort and it takes, by the way, financial resources, whether it's programming or equipment or hosting services or domains like that, that takes that takes money. And I would love to eventually even be able to up my game to provide better products for my audience. And if you want to do that, you want to support me, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash dreads. That is spelled D-R-E-D-Z-S. Once again, D-R-E-D-Z-S. So it's dread with a Z-S at the end. And you can become my patron on there through a small monthly support, whether it's a you know a $1 a month or I don't know if you want to be crazy, like a few hundred dollars a month, whatever you want to do. I don't care. But if you, if you want to support me, I would appreciate it. And if you don't want to support me, hey, I still appreciate it. It doesn't matter. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. Until next time, keep the discussion going.